This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined here on this Christmas week by the one, the only, Nicholas J. Horwat, rocking a, a very festive background today. Horwat, yes. how are you feeling? Uh, I feel very under the weather today. I'm back on my usual allergy bullshit. Uh, <laughs> And I'm, and I'm out of Flonase, so I had to make an emergency run to Target on a Sunday, the week of Christmas, and the Steelers weren't playing. I made a big mistake, but I needed it. So yeah, that that was a that was a leap of faith there that you weren't going to get completely bogged down by last minute shoppers, and I'm sure you did. I was in there for five minutes, uh, and it was still really annoying because I walked in and I thought, oh, while I'm here, I should see if there's like a cheap Christmas DVD that I can watch. Big mistake by trying to trek around the rest of the of the building, uh, rather than just going to the allergy aisle and then back out again. <laughs> yeah, um, that didn't. Sound I got like I got that, lucky yeah. at checkout. I w- walked up to the self checkout, saw they were all taken. Uh, then the first like human checkout was open, and I said, "All right, this will take twenty seconds. This is all I'm getting." Hey, there you go, man. It's it's in and out as quick as possible at this point if you have your Christmas shopping done, which I would hope you do. I have my Christmas shopping fairly done. I did most of it online this year because, you know, COVID reasons. But hopefully everybody that's last-minute shopping or still has to last-minute shop gets the gifts that they need to get before this coming Friday. But as we're talking about this week, we have a lot of news That happened from last week, and of course the big news, the NHL and NHL Players Association have agreed on a return-to-play deal. So we will dive into all of that, all of the tiny aspects, all of the things that came out as conjecture and things that we are now looking at for the 2020-21 season. Then of course, a little bit later, we're going to talk about a former rival of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Henrik Lundqvist, and the news that came out on him this week, as well as a recap For the weekend that was, or more specifically, the weekend that wasn't for the ECHL affiliate of the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Wheeling Nailers. Of course, not the greatest weekend for them, but we'll get into all of that here on Season 2, Episode 6 of the Tip of the Iceberg. But let us begin with that NHL and NHLPA agreement. Now, of course, there's a lot to go through here, so we're going to dissect it piece by piece, try to cover all of the important aspects, and give you our thoughts and opinions on all of the news That came out over the weekend. Of course, as we mostly knew, they agreed on a 56-game season starting on January 13th. So that is now set in stone. That is fact. We are now less than a month away from puck drop on the 2020-21 season. And it's going to be 56 games. Horwat, we've talked at nauseum about these two little pieces of fact. But any other other opinions on that now that it is official? I... I feel like we were all kind of expecting it. It's one of those things that it leaks and you know, it's not official, but you have that date in your mind and you're kind of hard pressed to remember it. And you set it. Uh, and then when it becomes official, it's a great feeling. Uh, the rest of my opinions are just on stuff that we'll be getting into. So let's dive in. Yeah. Not a problem about that. The other thing that came out, of course, training camps are scheduled to open on January 3rd or December 30th for all the non return to play teams. Those seven teams that were left out, of the qualifying rounds and of the round robin, those seven teams get to start on December 30th, a couple days more than the teams that did get to play in that return to play in the training camp there. But that is about two weeks from today. So in two weeks or a little bit less than, we're going to have Pittsburgh Penguins training camp, actual training camp, actual stories, actual jobs for people to vie for, which I'm sure we're going to get into here in a little bit. But How excited are you that the fact that not only do we have a start date for the season, but we have a start date for training camp, which is really when people that like to pay attention as much as we do and everybody that probably listens to this show, we get the storylines. We get to see the guys back on the ice. We get highlights from practice. How exciting is it that training camp is less than two weeks away now? It'll be real content finally. Yeah. A lot of, it won't be a lot of, 
discussing historical stuff. We won't be out discussing a lot of um, things we're just trying to predict and what could happen in the, in the far future. It's stuff that we can look at tangibly and say, this is what's happening right now. It's what's going to happen this season. And it is things to look forward to rather than, I mean, I know me as a writer, holy hell, finally, something to like look at and get new story ideas rather than just going back to the barrel of just all these just historical stuff, uh, you know, trade trees with that, you know, which are fun, but it's finally stuff that I can look at and write about now and not, you know, trying to dig into the past and trying to just create something from uh, a fun, a fun history of a team, but still we got, we have new stuff. Basically it's a little more, it's a little easier now. Yeah, and we're not going to completely dive away from the history and the fun conversations like we did a couple weeks ago about well, fast food. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna minimize those because we do have actual hockey storylines to talk about and the actual season back. But we're still gonna talk about that kind of stuff. Of course, we are still gonna have our shoutouts and callouts segment where it could literally be anything that we bring into the show. And then, of course. Trade trees you mentioned. I know friend of the show, Doug Gladke, said that we should definitely go over the Jordan Stahl trade tree. So that might be coming in the weeks to come. But I, I have here, I was writing down kind of our topics over the last couple of weeks, and, and I got a little far back. This is technically episode 93 of the Tip of the Iceberg. So first of all, let's keep an eye out for whenever we do our 100th episode. Oh, yeah. And we'll have to do something special there, which might actually come around the beginning of either training camp or the beginning of of the regular season. So we'll have to do something special for that. But also episode 71. You know what we discussed that day? Uh, can I get a date or is it? I don't have the date down here, but I'll tell you what, what we discussed. We discussed the Penn series loss to the Montreal Canadiens. And we, that was going to be my guess. Yeah. We, we just started back on two episodes a week. So it has been since August since the Penguins have had a game. We've been in off-season mode since August. Not only that, but they only played four games between that yeah. and our regular off-season mode. So it's been about 10 straight months of the tip of the iceberg giving you great content without hockey. Imagine how good it's going to be once we have hockey back, Penguins hockey back. I'm very excited. I'm pumped up for this. And, and I cannot wait for training camp on January 3rd. Yeah, and I mentioned that you know, there's not going to be a lot of history to be discussed anymore. But this this year is one that uh, a lot of history could be made in. If I'm just going to run down. I have a quick note on a bunch of milestones that are coming up for Penguins and Penguin players. I mean, Crosby is about to reach 1,000 games, which no Penguin has ever done. Well, I mean, these are all things we will get into, I'm sure, yeah. as time goes on. But I just wanted to run them down because it's fun. Malkin might pass Kevin Stevens for the most penalty minutes in franchise history. <laughs> Um, Crosby's inching in on 1,300 points. I don't know the exact number. Gensel could hit 100 goals. I mean, Matheson is real close to 300 games and 100 points. I know he's a new guy, but it's something. And uh, Sullivan is – it's possible he could become the winningest Penguins head coach this year. Really? we got to win. Yeah, we, we would have to win, I think it's like two-thirds of the games. But it's possible, even with the shortened season. They won two-thirds of the games in the 2012-13 season, which was also shortened to down to 48 exactly. games. So you have a couple more games to do it. We'll see if Sullivan can do it. And as far as Jake Gensel, you mentioned him getting to 100 goals. I'm pretty sure he's at 98. So it's safe bet that he scores two goals this season. Like I said, I don't, I didn't have the exact numbers on all of those, but it's those are all the ones that are within reach. I know, I know the Malkin penalty minute one's a bit of a far cry, but we know Gino, man, it's possible. Oh, yeah, especially if he gets red miss Gino. He'll definitely uh, rack up some penalty it's, minutes in that instance. Especially eight games. This is where we can start diving in, especially if you're playing eight times against the Capitals, against the Flyers, against the Islanders, and who knows what the Rangers have in store. It's going to be a bloodbath, I think, in this division. Uh, you mentioned the division. We're definitely going to get into it a lot on our Thursday episode this week, where the entire episode, besides our shout-outs and call-outs, is going to be devoted to breaking down this division, talking about each team, where they stood last year, where they stand heading into this year, and where they stand against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's to come on our Thursday episode this week. But let's mention it and talk about it a little bit here. The Penguins, of course, because of this COVID-19 COVID 
stuff. They have to realign the divisions because the Canadian teams cannot come into the United States if they're based in Canada. There's still a decision to be made on the Canadian teams because the Canadian government has to allow them to play in their home city. So that is still yet to be decided, but that is not an NHL decision. That is a Canadian national decision. So we'll have to wait and see that. And of course, the divisions will get re-realigned if Canadian teams have to come down to the United States. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But pending that decision, the Penguins are currently realigned in the East Division is what it's called. And it is a lot of the teams that were in the Metropolitan Division last year in the past couple years. You have the Washington Capitals. You have the Philadelphia Flyers, the New York Rangers, the New York Islanders, and the New Jersey Devils as well. So as you mentioned, a lot of those feuds are going to be pretty tight but guess what we also add the buffalo sabers who we'll get into we'll see where they're at that might be a rivalry for the pittsburgh penguins due to proximity i mean it's always a good game between the two and then the boston bruins you want to talk about evgeny malkin getting penalty minutes when he goes up against brad marchand whenever he's healthy there's going to be some penalty minutes cast there and there's going to be some good matchups there so that is the penguins division right now of course the nhl realigned it to the north south east and west division Nice and simple Ooh. for everybody. Nice and simple Ooh. for everybody. What did you want them to do? Did you think they were going to have fun with it? Really? Yes. <laughs> Bring back the the Smythe and the Patrick Prince Division. of Wales and the Campbell Conference. Come on. Have some fun. I mean, the reverse retro is probably all the allotted fun the NHL is allowing this year. So let's... let. <laughs> it's all Lou Lamorello is allowing this year. Exactly. And he, even for that, he didn't decide to put any effort in. So... The Penguins being in this new division, of course, there's some teams that are going to fight it. I know the Minnesota Wild are currently placed, I believe, in the Western Division, which is going to make for a lot of really difficult travel and a lot of difficult... I mean, it's difficult on the fans because you're staying up later to watch games, but for the team itself, that's a lot of travel, especially in the COVID-19 pandemic. So there's still a lot to be determined based on these divisions. We still haven't gotten a schedule yet. And now it, it seems as if teams are going to play only teams in their division, which, like you mentioned, eight times against all those teams I just mentioned is a lot. So it is going to be fun watching those if it goes off the way that it is currently set. Yeah, it's it's eight times against all those teams, and the, there is a schedule, like, outline, kind of. We know when the league plans on starting, which is January 13th. And ending, for the most part. I mean, because they announced dates for the uh, entry draft and free and for the trade deadline. They've announced dates, so they have a skeleton of a schedule. They just got to fill it in now with games. I forget when I saw a tweet that mentioned when uh, they expect the playoffs to start and end as well. So um, we have dates for everything, and it seems like we're going to be getting summer-ish hockey again. Just not to the same extent. Yeah, it won't be starting in August. Yeah, it's not going to be summer to fall hockey. It's going to be just regular postseason hockey weather but or hockey time seasoning uh, just a little bit later. Yeah, the, the NHL released that the season is set to end on May 8th where the playoffs begin on May 11th, and the last possible playoffs day will be July 15th. So they, they released all of the important dates, including, like you said, the expansion draft, the date that the Seattle Kraken can actually start to talk to people that are exposed for the expansion draft. So there's a lot that they have released on dates as well. That's stuff that we can get into at a later time because that's stuff that really it's just dates, but we have a couple other things that are important that we need to mention here. And one of them is the playoffs. You mentioned that we're playing all of these teams, the same amount of times eight times all interdivision games it's going to be fun it's going to be a fun ride there's not really going to be any off days for the pittsburgh penguins and even more importantly the playoffs are set up as so the top four teams from each division will make the playoffs no wild card team no well this division was better so they get five and this division gets three it is the top four teams i don't care if the fourth seed or the fifth seed in the east division is worse than the seventh seed in the north division or whatever the fourth top four in each one make it. And that is important for one reason. The Penguins are in a tough division. It's going to be tougher to make the playoffs. And then, of course, as it goes, once the playoffs begin, those four teams will face off in the first and second rounds. Division winners will meet up in the semifinals. Yeah, this only makes sense for this kind of season we're having because you're only playing these teams. If you were playing other teams, 
um, having this hard set these four teams, no one else, it doesn't make sense. I think the NFL is proving that this year by saying a team from the NFC North or East or Central, whichever one has the Cowboys and Giants in it. East. Um, the East. Yeah, the NFL proves that that's not a good system by having one of those four teams make the playoffs, but I digress there. Um, this makes sense for the for the division lining and for how the season is going to play out. You're only playing these teams, so you really are ba- only battling to be in the top four of um, of that division. There, If your fifth team or whatever, say, has a lot of points, that's probably not even possible because you're not playing against you know, the other however many teams in the league. It's just those eight or how many there are. That's it. There's no more, no less. It's just, it's how it's going to roll. It makes sense for this time around. And who knows, maybe after this, it affects the playoff seeding and matchup situation going forward. I think that's what everyone wants anyway, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people wanted that to happen last year with the 2014 playoff. And they they wanted to, to say, hey, let's bring some of this stuff over to when we get back to regular seasons because we like it. Well, they're not going to do that. They're making alterations due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And once the 2021-22 season begins, as they've stated multiple times, it's back to business as usual. It's back to a normal 82-game schedule, the way that we have outlined it, the way that we like it at the NHL, and that's what they're going to do. But for this season, it's going to be special. And just as the NHL playoffs in the 2020 season were special, this entire season is going to be special. 56 games, eight against each of these division rivals, which are going to be intense matchups all the way around in every single division. I mean, we don't even have to get into the fact that the Canadian division is going to be blood feud after blood feud. Let's watch the freaking Battle of Alberta eight times this season. So it's going to be a very, very interesting season. It's going to be a fun season to watch. And the playoffs, I mean, let's let's face facts. Most of the time, this is how the playoffs match up anyway with the regular system. Now it's just guaranteed to match up that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> I got nothing else. That's all it is. I mean, because we were always seeing teams maybe get gypped out of spots sometimes because uh, that's just the way the leagues wanted – their playoff lining to happen this year there's not going to be any of those arguments because you're only playing this your group and that's it it's essentially like saying you're playing in your own league for now it's old school almost you're only playing these eight teams once you get out of that then you're going to start playing against these other leagues you know it's like it's like if the nhl and the whl had a championship per se it's it's going to be interesting and it's going to be a very very fun time for hockey it's again but we have the season we have the schedule out you know not the game schedule but we have the important date schedule out i said this last week i think now the next question is when the real schedule comes out with games here now come the questions of fans uh times how is the schedule gonna look all that other shit so it's just a lot of stuff to look forward to we have good news to start it's a great headline. It's a great start for everything. Now the more, and now, you know, the news cycle for the next two weeks, you know, is going to be a busy one. So keep an eye out everywhere. Yeah. It seems as if players are starting to return to their home cities. We've definitely seen some Pittsburgh Penguins players returning to Pittsburgh and to the Lemieux complex ice, as we saw a little video put out earlier this week by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that leads us to the last thing we're going to discuss when it comes to this agreement between the NHL and their Players Association, and that's on the roster size. Now, they've agreed that it's going to continue to stay a 23-man roster for the active roster, which is the normal size, but it's also going to add a four- to six-man taxi squad. Now, this taxi squad is going to be getting paid full AHL salary to follow the team, practice with the team, and like I said, travel with the team, be with them on road games, and also practice with them, but they'll only be getting paid their full AHL salary. They will also not be waiver exempt. So if and when the AHL returns, if they want to swap players back and forth between the two, they have to get through waivers if their contract allows that. So if it's a one-way contract, you have to go through through waivers. If it's two-way and you've used up all of your options, you have to go through waivers. So they don't get that exemption that I'm sure the Players Association or at least the NHL general managers would have liked to be able to... 
you know, manipulate things a little bit in, in this harsh environment that is going to be the 2020-21 season. And of course, the other thing that I did want to bring up here is each team must carry three goaltenders on the roster. So that's either two that are definitely dressed, which are usual, and probably one on the taxi squad. That makes something very interesting that we said we're excited for the training camp to come in a couple weeks. Well, that's a roster spot that's going to be fought for. We Oh, yeah. We expected Casey DeSmith to win the backup goalie position, but now that the third stringer is going to be on that taxi squad and is going to travel with the team, is that going to be Emil Larmy? Or is, or is that going to be Lagasse, who they just signed? Or is it going to be a new signee? I mean, there's still a lot, a couple goalies out there looking for contracts, looking for deals. We'll probably take a minimum wage at this point. Uh, my question is, do we know what the AHL is doing? I forget now. As of right now, they are set to tentatively try to begin their season in February. Okay. Yeah, I think when they make a real decision, I think that might affect that as well. There's going to be some moving targets with that but i think i forget if i said this before or not i don't know if i want emil army to right now make a taxi squad per se because of just one more year in american ice to get used to it i mean he bounced between the echl and the ahl then a backup spot in the nhl for a game i mean he's bounced a lot um in his first year on north in north america i think he could use just like one more practice year to really get used to it because I think he might be a good viable option for the backup role in the NHL in a couple years. As for Legasse, I mean, if he's good enough for it and that's what we think we, we think of him and the, and the management and organization thinks so, go for it. Make him the taxi squad goalie. I'm not putting all my cards into the table of saying we need to sign a veteran or someone to be our third string goalie. No, our third string goalie is going to play one, maybe two games this season. I'm not too worried about who it is or what they do. I just want someone who, you know, isn't worried about the future of their career because who knows how much ice time they're actually going to be getting in this taxi squad position. That's where I put the halt on saying it should be Larmy for this year because who knows if they're actually going to be playing any games. Yeah, that's very true too. But at the same time, if the AHL does not return, wouldn't you rather have a guy like Larmy with the team to at least get those practice reps in yeah. and to get whatever action he can? Because if there's no AHL team, there's not going to be any reps. And I highly doubt that if somebody is going to get sent down to Wheeling, it's I highly doubt it's going to be Larmy. It's probably going to be Dorio, if anybody. Right. And that's all of my tangent there was if the AHL comes back. Um, if they don't, if their tentative date falls through and all that, then yeah, of course, put Larmy in there because he's going to be getting ice and getting something it's more than nothing it's kind of what we're looking for here um so it'll be interesting to see uh are there what else is there to come from the ex uh taxi squad is it just is the goalie thing just the big talk there i don't i haven't looked too far into it. i mean the big thing was the goalie talk that you must have three goalies on the roster which your roster includes that extended taxi squad so they their league is mandating that for the simple reason that they definitely don't want to see the david ayer situation so they definitely want to see ah. teams have three goalies in the building to make sure that they have their butt covered in case this happens now the rest of it like i said if you're on the taxi squad, you're getting paid your AHL salary, not your NHL salary. And also, you're not waiver exempt. So a lot of the one-way players, unless that there's somebody like maybe Zach Trotman or Kevin Churchman, it's probably going to be to start two-way players if it's close. If it's not close and the one-way player is much more dominant than any of the two-way players, then he's going to be there. Like I said, like a Churchman or like a Trotman because the Penguins hold those guys in high esteem. So it's going to be interesting whatever they're going to do with their guys that can still go back to juniors because you don't want to carry them on a taxi squad when they actually have somewhere to play. So I think that takes out Sam Poulin. That takes out Nathan Ligare. I think those guys are now surefire staying in the juniors for this season. For one more year. And you know what? That's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. it's It hurts their development. It hurts their chances. But at the same time, they can – use it to actually play games they can use it to actually advance their development a little more than nothing at least 
So that is all the news that we have gathered from the NHL and their Players Association's agreement. I'm sure there's still some stuff that is going to come out in the coming days. And that, of course, we will be covering on Thursday. Any news that has updated since then. And, of course, we also mentioned we're going to be talking about the Eastern Division here in the NHL realignment. But as of right now, we're going to continue with this show. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the devastating news about Henrik Lundqvist that came across the wire this week. We'll also be talking and recapping the Wheeling Nailers weekend. Bring it back here to the tip of the iceberg. This episode of the tip of the iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast podcast network some unfortunate news came across the wire this week and i think that is a very light way of putting it of course henrik lungfist the king has always been a fierce competitor against the pittsburgh penguins within his 15 seasons with the new york rangers of course this past offseason he was bought out by the new york rangers and then signed on a one-year 1.5 million dollar contract to another rival in the washington Capitals and we were all looking forward to seeing Hank in Washington red it was going to be interesting it was going to be a weird situation for everybody watching one of the greatest goaltenders of all time on the Capitals instead of where he truly really belongs which is the New York Rangers and that's where everybody's going to remember him for but unfortunately it came through Henrik Lundqvist's Twitter account that he will not be joining the Capitals this year and he will be prevented by doing that from a heart condition that was found as of late that he is dealing with. That news came out last Thursday, of course, with heavy hearts. Everybody wishes him well and wishes him good health. It's unfortunate that this may be the final chapter for King Henrik. And really, we just send him all of our best. Like I said, 15 seasons with the New York Rangers. He turns 39 in March. And as a goaltender, it gets increasingly hard to play that position the older you get more so than any other position in the NHL. Is this the end, do you think, for King Henrik? It hurts. It really hurts to think that and say that, but given the way uh, this has gone down and the fact that he's just going to be missing an entire season, um, that pushes him a lot closer to 40 than it does you know, playing at 37 or 38, which makes a little more sense, but it pushes him closer to 40. It just... I just don't think it seems viable anymore. If it's, I mean, do we know how much detail do we know on this heart condition exactly? He he didn't give a lot of detail about it, and I understand why you don't want a lot of people know about it. Just just the fact that he he told us it, it is a heart condition. It's going to prevent him from playing, and it's for the, his safety as as well. So I mean, nobody can really question it. I mean, the big thing is, it's already been tough for Henrik Lundqvist there was already talks of him retiring after he was bought out by the New York Rangers for a brief time it was well is he just going to retire does he want to play for another team does he still have that desire to compete does he still have that fire for a Stanley Cup which is something that he was so close to in 2014 but was unable to obtain so far in his career and there was that desire and you just hate to see it end on these terms you always want 
the greats to go out on their own terms. And it doesn't seem as if he leaves now. It doesn't seem like it would be his terms. But who knows? He could come back next year. Uh, as far as the opt-out clause, uh, I'm still trying to get all the information on it. And, of course, they're still trying to finalize it. But from what I've seen so far, if he opts out of this season due to the COVID, and if that is allowed, his contract could be chosen to carry over to next season by the Washington Capitals. So he would be playing on his one-year, $1.5 million deal next season. Again, I'm not sure how that plays out, but he is officially not playing this season. And I unfortunately think it is the end for him at 39 years old. He, he didn't get kicked out of New York, but two younger, better prospects in net were kind of replacing him last year. And you could see the writing on the wall. He came as a backup to Washington. Now they don't have a lot of backup opportunities behind Ilya Samsonov, but with him being 39, going to be turning 40 next season, I don't know if he comes back, especially depending on how severe this heart condition is. Yeah, it's it's probably the end of the road for him and for Washington. I mean, it's interesting because we were already discussing is Samsonov going to be a good viable option as starter? Is Lump, we were discussing is Lundqvist still does he still have it? Can he still carry a team um, even as a backup to get a couple wins here and there? Well, now you're out of that second option. Now you're sitting on Samsonov. You really got to hope he is something now because who do you have after that? I'm assuming they go out and sign someone for a year because I said before, there's still a couple guys out there looking for contracts um, who would take Leagueman and will sit as a backup, collect a paycheck and play a handful of games. That's a good deal for any goalie to take, especially this year. I, I think they just might do that. I think that might be their best option. Because if Samsonov falls apart, who do you go to? Do you want to go? Like, is Phoenix Copley still there? Is he their third guy? It's it's going to be between Phoenix Copley and uh, another guy named Vitek Vanacek, who is a younger goaltender as well. Yeah, you, you they're going to have to sign someone. Even if, like, let's even say Samsonov's doing great and he gets hurt. Well, now you're really screwed. You... you my option, my, the best option is to sign someone. I think Corey Schneider is still available, I, I think. Uh, Craig Anderson, if they want another veteran guy, he's still looking for a deal. And I'm almost positive those guys are free agents. So that's just the way I see the ball rolling for them is they got to find someone to sign. But for Lundqvist, that sucks to – it's terrible news for him. It's terrible news for the hockey world in general. And it's probably the end of the road even if – uh, a contract situation works where he's able to still be under Washington contract into the coming se- into the next season, but for now it just doesn't seem likely. Yeah, the big three, or I guess there could technically be five goaltenders still on the market to be signed: Corey Schneider, as you mentioned, Craig Anderson, the former Ottawa Senator, Jimmy Howard, who's coming off one of the worst oh, yeah. statistical seasons of any goaltender in the NHL history, former Pittsburgh Penguin. Mike Condon is also available, and also uh, 39-year-old Ryan Miller, so they could keep going with, with the old train there. It was, uh, honestly, I was surprised last year whenever I found out Miller was still in the league, but good for him. Those five names possible. If not, they're going to have to go with either Copley or, or Vanacek. Or Vanacek. I'm not sure how I say it, but I digress. I mean, five guys, and you have to hold three on your roster. We forgot. Let's talk about that part, too. You have to hold three, so Copley... Vanacek and Samsonov as your three that's in this division we're about to be playing in in a shortened season that you're going to have games and back-to-back games every week maybe you know as we've already seen possibly three games in a row on a weekend or three and four days on a weekend it's it's going to be a tough schedule for a single goaltender to handle and you're putting a lot of weight onto Justin Schultz on your D-line no that team's not making the playoffs man (laughs) I don't know if I'd go that far, but it, no, I don't know if I would either. They're going to, they're going to have to sign one of those five that you just mentioned. Um, I think the best option out of that. Oh, might be Craig Anderson. I don't know. He just seems the less cooked, I guess. Yeah. It, it's definitely not picking from a very good pool of goaltenders. Now they're all still national hockey league goaltenders with the exception of probably Jimmy Howard. But at the same time, Corey Schneider, had a couple down seasons. Let's why not give him a shot? 
Yeah, it's they're all viable options, really. I mean, even Mike Condon, I feel like, would make sense as a backup option. Give him more of a chance than he got here, at least. And, I mean, he survived a whole season in Ottawa that saw them go to the Eastern Conference Final. It's, it's weird that Craig Anderson and Mike Condon are both free agents right now. Holy shit. Is it, um, is it weird, or is it just Ottawa? Listen, that team was so good at one point. Maybe not so good, but hey. They were so good in 2007. That team was, well, yeah. That was that it. That team was good. That's when they that were so good. good. I mean, in 2017, like, it's not that long ago. They were, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Literally a game seven, a goal away from making it to the finals. It's, that team was an enigma. And yeah, I don't, I don't consider that a good team. I consider that a team that played a way above expectations and they, it played above their level. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I don't know too much of the team detail. I haven't looked into that, into that year specifically, but beyond that, Mike Condon, I mean, he's still, like you said, still an NHL goalie. And if you're going to throw him in as a third, as a third string option, what's the worst that happens there? Yeah. I mean, and, it, of course, the main point that we're trying to make is just it, it is awful, Henrik Lundqvist news. It puts the Capitals in a rough position, but I feel like nobody's thinking about that right now because, I mean, this is one of the greats. This is a guy that is going to be a Hall of Famer. You can argue about Hall of Fame this, Hall of Fame that. Henrik Lundqvist is a hockey Hall of Famer. So it is unfortunate that if this is the way that he goes out, it would be very unfortunate. So we're hoping for the best for him, of course, Thoughts and prayers go out to him and hope that he is okay and hope that he, he can get this taken care of. And if we see him on the ice again, it'll be very exciting. If we don't see him on the ice again, it was a great career. Yep. That's the way it is. And I mean, you know what? In hockey, sometimes you have your career taken from you. It's just all, it's, it hurts. I mean, it's a little different when it's your own body taking it away from you and not having it be um, by effect of just a long list of injuries. So it's a little harder to swallow, but I mean, I mean, we've seen careers ended short all the time. And um, the fact that any hawk that any human has been able to play hockey for 15 years, it's already a, an astonishing mark. So um, good on him for at least making it this far. If he's able to come back um, under a contract or maybe even with another new team, who knows? I mean, the, if he wants to come back and is able to, he will. That's the way he is, I feel like. Yeah, and you just, right there where you said, you know, it's unfortunate that it's his own body taking it from him, and it's not that it was taken from him by a hit or an action. It was it was his own body that just, I just had flashbacks to Pascal Dupuy in 2016, and it's just such unfortunate and sad situations. But uh, as we move on here, before we get to the wheeling others, I did want to ask, as we were talking about, Free agents, it reminded me, Anthony Duclair finally signed a deal. He struck a deal in Florida for one year, just over a million dollars. Horwat, what did you think of this deal? And are you somebody that subscribes to the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins should have kicked the tires on him and should currently be kicking the tires on free agent Mike Hoffman or Evgeny Dadanov, for that matter? I think Dadanov signed, didn't he? Did Dadanov sign? I know somebody mentioned it earlier this week. Uh, I'll look that up real quick, but I know Mike Hoffman hasn't. Mike Hoffman has not. He's going to cost way too much, though. Even at this time, I feel like he's still going to at least request a ton of money. Um, as for Duclair, should the Penguins have kicked the tires on him? I don't know. I don't think. Uh, because he Duclair had one great season and um, then represented himself as some standout all-star. It's... I'm not saying Duclair is a guy that's going to fall off the rails this next season, but he's a guy that's not going to reclaim that magic that he just had. I think he'll have a decent season, but not one that we should have been worried about. You know, He'll go somewhere else and be okay for a little. So be it. But I also think he really cooked himself by representing himself and uh, not screwing himself out of a lot more money that he could have had, but 1.7 or whatever it was, that's he could have at least gotten more than that if he would have signed a lot sooner under a management group. Who knows what it could have looked like. Yeah, let's not take anything away from his season last year. 20, I believe, 23 goals. That's a He had a hell of a season. He was an NHL all-star last year. I mean, right. 
I don't blame the guy for trying to cash in, but at the same time, he's not known for being a great locker room guy. He's known for being kind of a nuisance. And then, of course, the whole stunt of him saying he's going to, you know, he's going to represent himself, as you mentioned. Yes, cool. You get to save the, what, 10% commission that you usually pay a, a guy, but usually you get more money than that. And the whole holding yeah. out thing, I don't think he's going to be an NHL All-Star this year, not to mention the fact that there is no NHL All-Star game this year. But at the same time, we'll see what he does in Florida. Uh, you were correct. Evgeny Dadanov signed with the Ottawa Senators, but Mike Hoffman is still at large. You mentioned he is going to be very expensive. I think he's going to be more expensive than Anthony Duclair, but I don't yeah. believe that he's going to be nearly as expensive as he should be on either a regular season or if he would have negotiated his contract a couple months ago and not two weeks prior to the NHL training camps being ready to begin. Yeah, I mean, now is crunch time for a lot of free agents out there. Matt Barzell still needs his RFA signed. Um, I can't think of anyone else who's out there. I don't. I don't know what happened to the limbo situation of Tyler Johnson, but um, now is crunch time for all those free agents that thought they can still make it in the league. It's it's time. It's time to kick it into high gear and start talking to teams, start opening up your phone lines, and stop holding out if that's what you're doing, and figure it out, man. If you want to keep playing hockey, you got to start getting it going. you got two weeks until, until teams open up camp and slots start getting taken. Yeah, not to mention the fact that you're going to have to quarantine for 14 days prior to going into camp. So yeah. you definitely want to make sure you're doing it in a timely manner. And as you mentioned earlier, that it's going to be a very busy couple of weeks leading up to training camp. That is what it includes also. All of these free agents, they're going to have to make those decisions because otherwise they're going to miss the beginning of camp and camp is already only 10 days long. So you, you don't want to go into the season slow because it's also again a shortened season so you want to be able to hit the ground running come january 13th that's something to keep our eye on a season that is already underway is the echl season now in its third weekend of hockey the wheeling nailers however have yet to pull out a victory they went zero one and one on the weekend with both games going against the orlando solar bears in wheeling west virginia the wheeling nailers record is now zero two and one let's let's go over game by game really quickly friday night they lost by a score of 4-2. to two. Once again, for the second straight game, they went 0-4 for 4 on the power play, but they then also went 4-4 for 4 on the penalty kill. So at that point, they had not allowed a goal on the kill, but they also had not scored a goal on the power play. Now, here's the issue. In that game on Friday night, they were outshot 27-12 in the first two periods, and put that put them down 3-0. You're down a 3-0 hole after two periods. It's going to be tough to come back for even the best teams. But then you showed something in the third period that for the first time this season, we finally saw the Wheeling Nailers get their groove. They outshot Orlando 12 to four in the final period and won by a score of two to one on, on the period, but still, of course, not being able to overcome their early deficit that they put themselves in and they lost by a score of four to two. Saturday night, they also lost this one though in overtime. They carried the momentum over from the third period on Friday into a beginning on the first two periods on Saturday, they led two to one after two periods, but only had four shots on goal in the third. So once again, not a complete 60 minute effort. And that cost them in the end. Of course, they lost, like I said, three to two in overtime, one for two on the power play. So they finally cashed in also one for four on the penalty kill. So, or they allowed a one for four, so I should say. So they killed three and only allowed one goal. The other thing that I wanted to mention of note for the Wheeling Nailers on Saturday, the guy that I said to watch out for because he was Sam Poulin's line mate last year, Felix Robert scored his first professional career goal, or first career professional goal is, is the best way to say it, I guess. Oh, well. And that was the power play goal they scored. So congratulations to Felix Robert. Hopefully he keeps it going. And hopefully now that the Wheeling Nailers have a standings point, they can hopefully next weekend go out and get an actual win before... It gets too late. Yep. <laughs> cool. That'll be that's fun. I got nothing on the wheeling nailers. I haven't paid any attention. <laughs> uh, just the ECHL is kind of like the uh, the other tournament that's about to happen. I, I the World Juniors. I know it's happening. I know it's there. I always forget about it and never really look into it uh, until it is forced upon me. So well, I mean the the big thing to look at in those two games this weekend is. Not a 60-minute effort. They didn't play well in the first two periods on Friday. Then they played well in the third. Okay, Saturday they come out, they played well in the first two periods. They have a 2-1 to -one lead. 
and they do absolutely nothing, only four shots on goal in the third period. So it's a very, you know, organization-wide problem right now in the past couple of years. You got to play a 60-minute game, and the Nailers were not able to do that in two different instances this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the Nailers, they weren't that great of a team last year. I know there's a lot of turnover in the E and that team especially, but still, uh, you want a little something more out of it. Um, it's a long season, though. Well, it's a shorter season, but hey, it's still a long season. It's still really uh, give them time to figure it out, I guess. See what happens. Yeah. Were they in Orlando? No, they played in Wheeling. Still, I'm impressed that they're doing that much travel. If I am correct, and I, I believe I saw that they did also have fans in the stands. So, ah, West Virginia, that makes sense. <laughs> well, I digress on that point. That is our, our little minor league minute. If you were a listener of the show in season one, early in season one, we did a bunch of those. So we're going to continue to do our minor league minute segments here from week to week following the Wheeling Nailers. Hopefully they start picking up the pace in the ECHL and, and getting started here because you don't want to fall behind too much. As Horowat mentioned, it is a long season. But it's not that long of a season, so hopefully they can pick up a win next weekend. We have one more segment, as we always do, and that is our Pens poll. But before that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya, and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch our podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast, giving you guys European hockey. We're back here at the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6. Horwat, how have you felt about the show so far, and how excited are you to talk about this week's Pens poll? I'm excited, and as the show so far, I'm dying over here. I've hit my mute button so many times. Um, I'm sure you've watched me sneeze a couple times. The allergies are hitting me today, but uh, as... Always, whenever I have allergies and we record, I'm fighting through. I'm doing my best, and uh, I'm going to take a damn nap after this. I, was, I don't care if it is 8 o'clock. <laughs> I was about to say, are you entrusting me to make sure that it sounds great on post-production? It'll sound great. Don't worry. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It always does here at the tip of the iceberg. But as you have a Thomas Vokun, if I'm not if I'm not like incorrect here, that is a Thomas Vokun jersey behind you, correct? Yes, it is. It is also autographed that I don't think you can see in the no, I don't, video recording. No, I don't think we don't have Zoom that much. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's an autographed Vokun jersey I got from the Penguins Charities that they were doing a vault thing. Uh, I got that from it. They were giving away a bunch of stuff, like uh, other jerseys. It was all signed jerseys. It was a bunch of, like, name plates from the locker room tags. Uh, some used equipment to... Just general Penguin stuff, all for Penguin's charities. This was like 50 bucks, so it was damn well worth it. And it, yes, it pertains to our Penn's poll question this week. It definitely does. And this question went out, and I was, I was interested to see how this reaction was going to be, if there was recency bias, if there was Stanley Cup bias as well. And, and I feel like there kind of was a little bit. The question was, which playoff performance was more impressive Jake Gensel in 2017 won the poll at 54%. Marion Hossa in 2008 came in second place in 31%. And Tomas Vokun, as you mentioned, the jersey behind you, came in last. His 2013 playoff performance, like I said, came in third and last place with 15% of the vote. Horwat, which one was most impressive to you? So I've, in the thing, I voted for Vokun, but I've gone back and looked at a lot of stuff on Marian Hosa because I had to write a small little thing kind of about him and uh, for my recent 12 Days of Hockey Miss with the Hockey Writers, and I didn't realize that Hosa's playoff performance in his one year with us was the best of his career, like, by far. Um, he had phenomenal games with us. He 
if he would have re-signed here, who knows what he could have done. And who knows what this team would have looked like. But um, I'm trying to pull the numbers up now, and I just can't seem to find the word playoffs. There uh, it goes. Yeah, I was about to say, I have them right here if you, if you yeah. want me to read them off. Uh, but, I mean, in his 20 games in the playoffs at the age of 29, 26 points. Uh, he never touched 20 after that or before that. It's his best playoff performance ever. Uh, so looking back, actually looking at it, I think that's probably the most impressive. Yeah, what Jake Gensel did was fun and impressive and very recent. Uh, but the Vokun one, I voted for it initially, I think just because of how entertaining it was and how much it kind of shocked people. Hosa, we expected that from because, you know, we made the big the big splash deal at the deadline. And Jake Gensel's the kind of the future of this team, if you will. We know he's going to be good. But I mean, the Vokun one, it's a guy who was on the latter stages of his career who stepped up for a struggling flurry who at the time had real playoff struggles and Bokun took the team on his back and took us up to the Eastern Conference final and it was just entertaining that this veteran goalie who who knows what really what his career kind of could have been if he wasn't in Florida because he's a phenomenal goalie really took the penguins that far i mean yeah we did a ton of scoring that year too but without goaltending you're nothing and Vokun really made us something for uh at least two rounds mm -hmm. yeah and the third round wasn't his fault either he performed rather well in all three rounds but i have down here the splits of the penguins goals per game in those playoffs it was it was kind of a very telltale story of why they did not win in the eastern conference finals but Vokun overall, he went six and five in those playoffs. And you know, you might be saying that's not impressive at all, but consider the fact that they got swept in the fourth in the third round, meaning he was six and one going into the Eastern Conference Finals. He had a 933 save percentage that he finished with, a 2.01 goals allowed average. And of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference Finals had a 0.5 goals per game mark as they scored two goals in the entirety of the four games. So yes. Tomas Vokun and all the things you mentioned, the fact that he was a veteran, he wasn't supposed to be the goaltender. Marc-Andre Fleury started the first four games of that playoff series against the New York Islanders as soon as they got into the playoffs. He was absolutely abysmal. 883 save percentage, 3.51 goals allowed average. The only reason they won two of those games is because Fleury pulled a shutout out of his head in the first game and then just absolutely let the doors open in the next three. So Tomas Vokun, it cannot be understated how important he was to that 2013 team. It's just the team that had scored at will for three straight months ceased to do so against the Boston Bruins. Yeah. And that was, you got to remember that was the team that had again, Lamaro, Doug Murray and UC Okun, and that was a that was the team that was supposed to go all the way. That was the, that was Ray Shiro's year. Mm -hmm. It was really kind of the the downfall of Shiro, wasn't it? I mean that he he shot his shot there, and it did not work out. And ever and, and after that, he was done. Yeah, it was the beginning of it. What we what he did that year was great and phenomenal, and honestly. You get that deep in a playoff run. You did something good. Obviously, you didn't do it perfectly or really succeed at it, but you did something right, at least. Um, I think it was the fact that we got none of them back after that. UC Okun had stuck around, but I think his contract was through it anyway. It's not like he re-signed here or anything. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. I don't know the whole politicking of why Shiro got fired, but everything after that season was the downfall, so... That was his peak, if you will. Well, maybe the Stanley Cup in 09 was his peak, but um, it was kind of his second mount, I guess. It was his second wave, and then that was it. That's all that uh, Ray Shiro had for us. Yeah, it was at that moment that Ray Shiro's Stanley Cup could no longer keep his job in Pittsburgh. He had, It was, what has you done for me lately? And lately, he had a team where the goaltender, the starting goaltender, I should say, fell off the face of the earth, and that high-powered offense also fell off the face of the earth in the playoffs, so... I still wouldn't pick Vokun, but I just wanted to give him some credence because 15% I thought was very under what I expected. But I guess at the same time, I wouldn't have voted for it. I was between Hosa and Gensel. And yes, you mentioned Marion Hosa had very impressive playoffs. I specifically remember the overtime winner 
past Henrik Lundqvist to put away the New York Rangers in 2008. That is the one that that I remember. That was one of his two game winning goals in that playoffs. But I had to stick with Jake Gensel, not because they won the Stanley Cup, not because it's the most recent, but because of how amazing his performance actually was. And realistically, you look at it and his, his performance the next season was even more amazing than this one, but he just didn't win a Stanley Cup. But in 25 games played, he scored 13 goals, 21 total points as a rookie. Not only to mention the fact that he won the Stanley Cup, which is a little bit more impressive, but five game-winning goals. They won 16 games. Everybody knows you have to win 16 games to win a Stanley Cup. He scored five game-winning goals, including the massive game one winner, which set the tone for that series, which if they would not have won that game, we, they would not have won the 2017 Stanley Cup. Right. I mean, all of these without without any of those three guys, the whole playoffs plays out differently. Uh, but Jake Gensel's was impressive. Yeah, it's... Um, at the same time, we knew he could do something like that. You know what I mean? I I think we knew he was productive. I didn't think we knew he was a playoff superstar. Right, and he has been ever since, for the most part. Uh, we know he's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I went with that. I agreed with uh, our followers and our listeners on that one. At 54%, like I said, voted for Jake Gensel's 2017 performance. I, I agreed as well, and I think you said you went with Marion Hosa. Well, you voted for Vokun, but... Looked back at it and decided with Hosa, yeah. Okay. All three of them, as you mentioned, fantastic performances. Absolutely. It, it would have almost been cheating to put in Crosby or Malkin in any of their big playoff performances, because usually once they have a big playoff performance, that means they won the Conn Smythe Trophy. Yeah, and it's... Also, it's also cheating putting in Mar any of Mario's numbers because those were just off the wall. Yeah. Uh, even if it was just the times, you know, it's those are numbers that really can't be counted. I mean, I think, you know, I've been doing a couple things. I saw one year Mario had like 12 points in a single series, let alone the entire playoffs. Uh, just nutty stuff in the 90s, but... Yeah, uh, these were the those were the those were definitely the best ones to go with for a conversation at least because it's not, oh Mario did this well of course he did, it's just what he did. These were things of a little more unexpected, a little more off the beaten path, and uh, two of them only played here for that one season. Yeah, that's well, very. Vokun was Vokun was going to play the year after, but again, goalies with health issues that couldn't make it. Yeah, and like you mentioned, if we put Mario Lebue, Sidney Crosby, or Evgeny Malkin in a poll with other people that aren't named that, it's sort of like the Consmite thing. If they're if the name is there, how do you not pick it? So it's definitely a fun poll. I enjoyed watching it play out because it was very close at first. It was back and forth. But, of course, Jake Ensel pulled away in the latter half of the week. Thank you again to everybody that voted and chimed in on our pens poll. We appreciate that you do that every week. We love talking about it, and we love getting to interact with you. We're going to try to do a little bit more interactive stuff. Like I said, trying some live episodes is what we're going to try to do once I actually figure out what's wrong with my internet. We almost had issues with it today, but it seems like we've done pretty well since we started recording. Everything's been fine. Nothing's frozen. Uh, yeah, everything's all good today. Yeah, so... We will see you in our next episode, which will, of course, be episode seven of this season. That'll come out this Thursday on Christmas Eve. So until then, Horwat, do you have any last words for the folks before we say goodbye for a couple days? No, I don't think so. Just uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. And uh, maybe we'll have a small Christmas discussion or something for that episode. Uh, nothing huge, but hey, it's, it's tis the season. Am I right, boys? Yep, tis the season to be very happy and a happy holidays to everybody listening to the tip of the iceberg. We will see you this Thursday. Have a good one, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.